Well, yeah, uh, for some reason, it seems like um, every year, right around this first week of Advent, uh, Pastor Jim asked me to fill in for him. And uh, I, I suppose he figures, you know, one of these times I might get this message right. So <laughs> bear with me while I, I give it another shot. The, the first thing I had to do was um, come up with a topic that I was certain uh, Jim wouldn't have already covered, like last year. And uh, I think I might have found one if I could figure out how to make this work. There we go. Um, <coughs> I, I know this sounds kind of silly, uh, but it, it, it actually is it's going to be a serious message. So hang with me here. Uh, let's get started by opening our Bibles uh, to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, if we can find it here. There we go. And uh, stand if you're able. Um, let's read this together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Thank you. Uh, you can go ahead and sit down. Uh, last year, um, I talked about the celebration of Advent, and it, it, it seems to me that, and maybe it's just me, but, but that a lot of what we celebrate is in the, uh, the past tense. In, in other words, what folks long ago um, looked forward to leading up to the birth of, of Jesus. Uh, and this first week, we focus on the hope that these people held on to for a coming Messiah. Um, their steadfast hope became flesh some 2,000 years ago, and it is certainly worth celebrating this every year. Uh, but now ours, ours is a living hope. It is the assurance of our salvation made possible only by the birth of this Messiah, our Savior, who lives today, that is the reason for our living hope. And more importantly, this is importantly, it, it is this living hope, our gift of salvation, that we are charged with sharing with others, uh, especially this time of year, you know, when we'll be surrounded by the people we love. And Paul reminds us uh, in his letter to the Romans that the most important gift we can give to anyone is the gift of the gospel. Paul writes, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So, uh, getting back for a moment to how I came up with a title for this sermon, it, you know, at first, when I was thinking about it, I thought I'd, I'd preach about some, maybe some perfect 24-step process uh, for sharing the gospel. Uh, I'd just find three or four Bible verses for each one of those steps and maybe a dozen sub-steps for each of them. And we, we could kill several hours of the process. But I got to tell you, in, in all honesty, I couldn't dream of one. Uh, I'm, in fact, I'm clueless how to do this, uh, a, a total failure. 
in, in my life, if you're anything like me, I've, I've done nothing but crash and burn trying. And, and maybe, maybe if you're anything like me, uh, we, we, people like me, we tend to learn a lot more from our failures than we do our successes anyhow. So, basically, all I know for sure is that it's really important to try, despite my long list of excuses. So, I think it was Mike Davis, he convinced me to talk about those instead. We can all blame him for this. <laughs> so here goes. What, one of my favorite excuses involves theology. I, I think just because that word, theology, it, it sounds really smart. Um, in short, what it means is that if you believe God is sovereign in salvation, that it's, it's totally up to him and him alone, who is saved or not, well then, bingo, I'm off the hook. Uh, you know, just pass me a turkey leg and how about those lions this year? I, I, I know this is a cop-out. Heck, we just, we just read Paul tell us that. Uh, so rather than try and understand all this, um, I choose to live somewhere in the middle between God's total sovereignty and my responsibility to share his gospel with those I love and, and not ask questions that, that won't be answered in this world. And I think maybe believing in both does not diminish either. But the gospel, our living hope, has a name. And his name is Jesus. So I think, why do people like me lack the confidence or courage to, to simply speak this truth? Um, that, that our salvation comes from him and him alone. And I, and I don't think I'm alone in this. Let me tell you a story. If several years ago, Mary and I attended a funeral. It was for a, a dear family friend and a, an old neighbor of hers growing up. And he was the head of a large, very large uh, local union and was well respected for that position and his, his friendly nature. He was basically a, a good man by all accounts. But near as I could tell, um, he was not a believer. Like, like so many others, it, it seems he'd spent his, his whole life worshiping the creation and sort of ignoring its creator. His family, well, they, they decided to hold a funeral for him at a, a local Unitarian Universalist church. I, I think they had a coupon. <laughs> their pastor, you know, spent a good hour or more talking about his life and his, his long list of accomplishments. Um, after telling us about all that he had done for his family, his co-workers, and others, she then went on to say, you know, how, how exhausting all this must have been and, and how wonderful it must be now for him to finally be at rest. She went on, she described this rest as waking up in a place of gentle breezes in a bed of soft, rustling leaves. And, and went out for some time convincing everyone there how perfect a place this must be. Well, after the service, which was, which was pretty long, me and, and, and pretty much everyone else there had to go get rid of some coffee. The, um, the bathrooms, if you can imagine, were down a long, narrow hallway. And uh, I find myself at the end of the line, uh, standing 
directly across from this pastor. So we had some time to kill. Um, after a little small talk, I, I told her how I appreciated her sermon, uh, but I, I had just a couple of questions that maybe she could clear up. Uh, you know, she smiled at me and said, yeah, of course. So I, I said, if I'm understanding this right, you're saying all of his good deeds in life were finally rewarded with gentle breezes and rustling leaves. She said, yeah, yeah, isn't that wonderful? I, I said, I, I suppose, you know, after the trauma of death at all, uh, it might be comforting that very first day. But maybe by the second day, all those soft breezes might start to get a bit chilly and, and those rustling leaves a, a little bit itchy. At this point, she stopped smiling. <laughs> yeah, some of the other ladies who were pretending not to listen were, were looking troubled. And, but I, I, I couldn't stop myself. I, I don't know how to filter. So then I said, you know, by the third day, when I realized for all the eternity, I'd have nothing more to look forward to than those itchy leaves and annoying breezes. No catching up with friends or family. No more fish on. Not, nothing that even looked like paradise. No love. No God. Ever. I think at, at that point I realized that I just woke up in hell. Well, <laughs> she does a 180 and marches straight into the women's bathroom, past all those women. And, and I'm, I'm left standing there with this long line of ladies' snake eyes staring back at me. I don't think we stayed for lunch. My, the point of the story is she had just spent over an hour avoiding the name of Jesus Christ for fear of offending the folks there, convincing a, a whole room full of people that salvation can be earned like it was some sort of a, a, a cheap dollar score participation award for a game well played. Um, but at his end, all this man's kindness and, and long list of accomplishments earned him was an eternity of rustling leaves. She had nothing but great excuses for not sharing the hard truth when, it, when quite frankly, it could have been said with just one sentence. Get this to work, fellas. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Anyway, I, I guess the whole world is, is full of failures just like me. Some even get paid for it. <laughs> um, this leads me to another good excuse. The excuse I, I might throttle some poor genius. For, for example, when you, when you hear someone say this, if, you're, if your God exists, why would he allow so many bad things to happen in the world? At this point in the conversation, I'm usually speechless. And, and I just, <coughs> literally, I want to grab this 
for a little Tinkerbell by the ears and, and hold their head under water for a while. <laughs> Mary tells me that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how they raise their children, but but when we were doing this, we knew giving our kids everything they could ever ask for just to make them love us was probably a recipe for disaster. And, it, and it's not how we love our children. It, it just creates monsters. Somebody, somebody has to be the adult in the room and, and sometimes say no. And I don't owe you an explanation. We were not our kids' full-time Santa Claus. And, and despite it, our kids eventually grew up into adults who understood why this was important. And they loved us regardless. But, but these folks, they, they look for a God, their, their Heavenly Father, that will solve all their problems, grant every wish, make every bad thing go away. And, and if, if not, they're, they're just going to set back on their heels and shake their fist at God. Their eternal salvation, well, it, it has to be immediate gratification. You know, how, how do you explain to them that no one in their right mind should try and buy their children's love? Because it's obvious that won't result in real love at all. And at the end of our days, when it's our turn to go home, our decision to honestly love Jesus, to put our, put our trust and faith in Him, despite all the hard times, all the heartaches, all the trouble that comes in this world. Well, that, that honest love is all we get to take home with us. Maybe, maybe I, I shouldn't have said holding his head underwater. That was a little harsh. So, sometimes I fall into the trap of arrogance. You know, it, it's like when Mary and I headed up north um, over the bridge for the last time when we moved up here from Flint. You know, I, I look back at that bridge and I says, you know, shut it down now, we're, we're good. I, I think Christians sometimes do the same thing. Or, or maybe it's just a lack of my, my Bible literacy. It, it, it seems like every time some genius wants to debate me on this, I, I've left my gospel teaching flashcards at home. And and I have a pretty healthy fear of rejection, you know, of, of losing a friend or, or teeing off a family member right before Christmas. You know, I, I'm sure like you, I, I've seen folks just get angry and ask me things like, well, how could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? It, at this point, my head starts spinning. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how can a loving person knowingly and willfully reject God, you know, the, the same God who sent his own son to die for them on the cross just so they could avoid that fate. Or, or worse yet, what do you do when someone you love looks at you like you just annoyed the Christmas spirit right out of them? You know, and they, they put up their hand and said, thanks, Brother. Which, you know, we all know is just code for, you know, I, I don't want to talk about it. And my favorite excuse is this, you know, that 
this idea that there is nothing but time. You know, if not this Christmas, you know, maybe the next time we get together, Ruin a family reunion, anyhow. Um, I I found myself using the story of the two thieves planted next to Jesus the day he was crucified as, as sort of my justification to think that it's never too late for for someone to come to faith. You know, but I'm conveniently forgetting that for that second thief, there came a point when it was too late. When Jesus would wait for him, no more. All right. The Bible tells us, you who have forsaken me, declares the Lord, you keep going backward. So I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am tired of relenting. Over 25 years ago now, I think, yeah, at least 25 years, I, I, I watched my Aunt Flo die. I love my Aunt Flo. Um, the kids were, were still very young then, and, and I was an even younger uh, Christian, you know, having been raised in the Catholic Church. My, my Aunt Flo's church, well, that was, that was a, the local Polish VFW. And, uh, and, and <laughs> Her weekly service was bingo night. My Aunt Flo was widowed. Um, my Uncle Andy had, had died several years earlier of a, of a heart attack. Well, I think he was reading a, the sports page on the pot. Um, God, God only knows what set him off. I, it might, maybe some really bad Tigers trade, but the, the doctors wouldn't tell us. I, I think they were Tiger fans too, and they could relate. Mary worked at a, at a hospital every other weekend, so on those weekends, I'd pack up our kids and, and head out uh, to visit Flo for a couple hours. She lived down in, in Dearborn. And we, we'd pick her up and uh, head out to the local big boy for lunch. Um, now, I, I remember asking her about taking her to church, uh, but she, she had little interest and, and told me she was good, uh, just visiting over lunch which was fine for her. And quite frankly, I, I liked big boy sandwiches mostly. And I, I was kind of fond of their salad bar. The kids got to eat all the french fries they could eat. So everybody was happy. And, and we, we met like this for a few years. Now, from, from time to time, Flo would struggle with health issues. And Mary was always there to help. And, and she'd pull her feet soon enough. I, I can't even remember now what um, landed her in the hospital that last time, but, but it was bad. And, uh, and she slipped into unconsciousness uh, before we even got there. Mary and I, you know, we, we took turns visiting her for the next week and a half or so. And, you know, being a guy, I was clueless what to do. So, you know, mostly I would just sat there and hold her hand or swab out her mouth, I was just trying to keep her comfortable and then watching her, you know, the news on her TV. And I, I got to spend a lot of time thinking back on the, the life she spent with Andy. Um, Andy and Flo were actually my, my great aunt and uncle. Uh, Andy and my, my grandfather were the 
the only uh, two boys out of eight that they made it out of the coal mines in Pennsylvania alive. And, and they, they came to Detroit to work in the car factories. Um, and he made a, 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 a great life for himself and Flo. And they, they were childless. Um, so they spent all their time traveling the world and, and collecting fine art. They, they had a good life together. But I, I don't think they spent much time with any um, in church together. I, I, don't, I don't recall my Aunt Flo ever, ever speaking about that when telling stories about Randy. But this, uh, this next part of her, uh, her story, I'll never forget. You know, sitting there, I got, I got used to listening to the monitor, you know, in her hospital room, um, so much so that it, it took me a, a moment to realize that it, it stopped beating. beating. You know, I, I, I looked up and, and watched it for a bit, you know, maybe 30 seconds of flatline. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, she's finally um, gone back to be with Andy. You're just trying to take some comfort in that. But just then, I, out of nowhere, she sits up in bed eyes wide open. She's literally sweating loudly and, uh, and trying to scream. Now, this woman hasn't moved in over a week. Okay? I, I'll never forget the look of complete horror in her eyes. Or the, the way she grabbed my arm like, like she was some kind of drowning man, you know, trying to reach for a life raft. Then, just as quickly as that happened, she lays down back in bed, closes her eyes, and she died later that night. I'm, I'm telling you guys, I, I have no clue what my Aunt Flo saw that afternoon, but I'm, I'm quite certain it wasn't happening. It, it wasn't even soft breezes or rustling leaves, okay? What, Whatever it was, she could hold my arm all she wanted. I, I couldn't save her. I couldn't save her from it. You see, I had taken no thanks I'm good for an answer. And when I could have just said, you know, Aunt Floyd, I, I know you're good, but there will come a day when you're not good anymore, and then it will be too late. You know I love you. Will you at least think about this? I didn't say that. And I'll regret it forever. So, why would I share this, <laughs> this horrible story with you guys right before Christmas? You know, maybe it's because by now I, I, I've seen enough, heard enough, even you know, other people's stories, to know that there are no mulligans in this regard. We are all given just one chance, one life,
to place our trust in Jesus Christ, to put aside our, our plans, you know, our, our pride, our, our plans to build our own stairways to heaven and claim and hold on to him as our life raft, our savior. And uh, you know, while this, this first week of Advent, we remember the hope of others for a coming savior. Let me, let me remind you again that ours is a living hope because a savior born 2,000 years ago still lives today. Amen. And that, that savior is telling us to gather our courage, put aside our excuses, get out of our chairs, and spread this hope we share. Oh, there we go. Mark tells us, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And you know, know that you don't have to you know, come up here and preach a whole sermon to do this. Sometimes the smallest words of encouragement or a simple invite to church on Christmas morning can lead someone to this hope we have, this living water. Always remember that it's, it might be our job to lead, but it, it's God's job to make them drink. Um, in, his, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul tells us, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And always remember to pray. Pray that they will reach a point in their lives where they are finally ready to put down their shovels, set aside their pride, and recognize that it is by God's grace and his grace alone that is their only hope for salvation. <coughs> My prayer for you to, today is, is simple. I, I pray all of you will have the courage to, um, to speak with the Aunt Flo's in your life this Christmas season. Don't take no thanks I'm good for an answer. Let this be your mission. Pick your aunt, well, go get after it. Um, so now, uh, since I, I couldn't put together a five-piece band uh, to play a song for you guys, uh, these guys are going to um, tee up a, a short video, and then Pastor Jim will get back up here and, and lead us in receiving the Lord's Supper. And thanks for all of you for putting up with my stories today.